This is the Social Pros Podcast, the weekly show for real people doing real work in social media. With your host, Jay Bear of Convince and Convert, and featuring Jeff Roars, Nick Cicero from Expian, and great guests from the world of social media and content marketing. Social Pros is sponsored by Exact Target, a Salesforce.com company, Expian, Janray, powering personalized marketing with customer profile management, and Cision. Ready to learn from the pros? Let's get to work. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined by my esteemed colleagues, Mr. Jeffrey K. Roars, Esquire, recovering attorney, author, speaker, gadfly from Exact Target Marketing Cloud, and a former jazz trumpeter, Mr. Nick Cicero from XBion. Gentlemen, how are you? Doing well as always. I feel like when we introduce uh, Nick yep. on the show, that you should have like a little bit of a trumpet, like a fanfare that that you play at the beginning. <laughs> wow, just like that. Uh, was that a beatbox trumpet fanfare? That was fantastic. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Damn. Lip lip trumpet. Lip trumpet. I'm telling you what, we're going to re-record the open to the show with that kind of skill set. That is something. Um, well, as we learned last episode, I'm an ADD millennial child, so I have a lot of time to tap pens and to make weird sound effects and, you know, things like that. Despite the stuff. fact that we prove that you and the other millennials are mathematically uh, taking over the world of marketing and all other worlds, Jeff and I have continued uh, to come back to the show. Uh, and I think we actually have another millennial on the show today, which makes me even more nervous. Jeff, we're letting them under the tent already. Uh, Margie Sherman is joining us. Margie is the social media strategist for Kohler. Margie, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? Fantastic. Now, can, can you confirm for us that you are, in fact, like Nick, a millennial? Is that a true true statement? I am. Yeah. So I, I sold my last company because I could no longer figure out how to manage millennials. It seemed that the need for consistent <laughs> feedback, the need for consistent feedback was not really part of my MO. So I'll be giving you uh, notes about every 45 seconds during the show because I know that's what you guys like. So, um, yes, please. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about Kohler. I think uh, many people have experienced your products in the wild, uh, but I suspect that many listeners to the show don't fully understand the scope and scale of the organizations. Maybe we can start there uh, and then have a ton of other questions for you. Sure. Yeah, I actually realized I didn't understand Kohler until I started working here. It's a lot larger than I thought. Um, we're divided into three different companies. So we have our plumbing company which most people know us for, and that's who I do the social media for. And then we have a hospitality branch, which handles a bunch of golf courses and five-star hotels. And then we also have our engines and power group um, that produces engines that are actually in a lot of lawnmowers and ships and everything else. So we're a pretty vast company. And I think, isn't Whistling Straits golf course one of your courses? Is that true? I think that's true. Yes, it's just down the road from my headquarters. Yeah, which is where the PGA Championship will be next year. I was at the PGA this year in Valhalla in Louisville a couple weeks ago. Uh, and so I think I'm going to come out uh, for the PGA next year. So if that happens, we're going to do – you need to have some sort of like awesome social media hangout for the PGA. Yes. 
Yes, we'll work on that. All right. I'm, I'm putting that we'll in We'll connect your... you with uh, Lauren. We'll connect you with Lauren Teague. Yeah. We can make that happen. Exactly. Exactly. We'll, we'll connect yeah. the dots. Um, so you, you've been at Kohler for what, eight, eight or nine months now, something like that? Yep. I actually started um, in November as a contractor and then full-time in January. Okay. So. so one of the things I always find interesting when we have people on the show who have been in the saddle for a relatively short period of time is, is talking through the process. So you join an organization which is bigger than you thought. Um, you have to be good at social media on behalf of sinks and faucets, which isn't necessarily Taco Bell and Twizzlers. Um, what do you do? So you get hired and, and you're like, toilet. okay, and toilets. Exactly. I, I wasn't going to go there, but I appreciate you connecting the dots. <laughs> um, so what do you do? You, you, you show up, you get a desk and a phone, uh, and a piece of paper and you're like, all right. Um, so, so what's that, what's that first 30, 60, 90 days look like when you come into a role like that? Um, it was actually very exciting coming into Kohler because I was the first social media expert that they hired. So it was nice coming into a clean slate and being able to make relevant changes. Um, but it was also very stressful because, as we know, social media is uh, very visible to everyone within the company. And every step I took, I'd have somebody telling me whether that was right or wrong or what everyone thought of it. Um, so it was a little difficult navigating all of the opinions, but eventually we've gotten to a place where we have a lot more structure and um, people value my opinion more and it's been a lot better getting the social across the organization which was one of the biggest challenges coming in but as I mentioned it was very exciting because it's not every brand you can step into and actually have some control in the process a lot of times you start with a brand especially as big as Kohler and they kind of have everything set up and you do what they tell you so it was nice to step into it uh, with a clean slate. Have you added uh, channels since since you started or essentially just written a new playbook for the existing social channels where you were already participating? Um, all the channels were existing, but some of them were dead. Twitter was pretty dead when I started, um, along with our house account. And Pinterest so it's more writing a playbook for the existing channels and making sure that there's more engagement on them that we actually have content to put on them and that we're utilizing them in the right way is there a is is there a team there that's that's working on social media in addition to you or are you having to sort of do the strategy uh, and the execution as well that's a very good question um, so I am the only community manager, um, but then I have a team with art directors and copywriters that help with some of the content and also give opinions when it comes to strategy and what we should be putting out on social. One of the things that I find really interesting about you is that you have a, a background in in market research um, and in consumer research. We don't find that very often when we talk to social media pros here on the show. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that background and, and how it informs your work today? Of course. Um, so yeah, I started out in New York doing um, communications research for companies on media that they had already produced and had already been put out there and then advise them on how they could improve it in the future. 
And that was my passion through college was research, my passion obviously when I got out. Um, and then I had to move back to Miami for personal reasons and I realized that there wasn't much research in Miami. So I found a job in social media and realized that my research background was actually a great complement to social media because I was able to create more insightful um, strategic plans based on the research and what was working and what wasn't working and all of these numbers and um, it kind of put me ahead of other social media people that weren't necessarily looking at what was working and what wasn't working and who their target audience was and who was actually seeing the post. And so although intuition is very important in social media, it's also nice to have the research background to confirm what I think is working and what's not. Are you putting together sort of structured experiments uh, around social today saying, well, what if we tried this? What if what if we tried that? Yeah, I am. Um, that was a large part of me coming into this organization was kind of just trial and error and seeing what was working and, and what wasn't. And um, it was very interesting to find that all of these things that people, when I first started in the organization, were saying was were working. Once I actually looked at the research, they actually were not working and not producing results. And so I kind of had to change that viewpoint a little bit and and convince people that it was okay to try new things and, and kind of delve into other areas. That's really fascinating. What, did you find that, that they just actually weren't working as well as the people in the organization thought they were, or were they measuring the wrong things? A combination of both. Um, they weren't necessarily measuring the engagement factor. When I started at Kohler, a lot of the measurement was in fan acquisition, which is important, but it's not everything. To me, engagement is a lot more important and whether those fans are actually having conversations with your brand. Um, so I was looking a lot more at that. I want to make sure I have this, this trajectory correct for you. You moved from Miami <laughs> to Wisconsin. Is that, yeah. is that accurate? Okay, I just want to make sure I've got That's that accurate. right. So that must have been an, that, that must have been an interesting. Uh, did you get a wardrobe budget when you moved uh, to to this gig? They should have like, given no, you some sort of I a special thing. That. You need an agent. Come on. I know it was miserable because I also moved um, in the middle of the polar vortex. Oh, that's right. Last crazy. winter, yeah, like the worst winter ever. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I was calling my parents, asking them if purple fingers were normal or if I needed to like, go see a doctor or what was up. So. <laughs> you must really like this gig yeah. to uh, still be there. I do, yeah. Um, my great-great-grandfather was actually an enameler for Kohler. No way. So That's crazy. a bit of history with the brand. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things... Hey, go ahead, go ahead sorry, Nick. Joe. No, go ahead, please. Oh. Okay, cool. So not to switch topics too much here, but you know, one of the things that I've been noticing that you guys do a ton with Kohler, kind of building off of that enameler um, idea, you know, you and I have talked before at Social Fresh, we've talked about how my father is in construction and, and how I've grown up kind of around the uh, commercial side of installing Kohler toilets and fixtures um, over and over and over again. 
Um, but one of the things that I've been noticing lately is, as you and I have started to interact both on personal level and also uh, interacting through Kohler's Twitter account, you guys have a lot, um, a lot of relationships with your distributors and the different kind of third-party, you know, uh, dealers for all of these different Kohler appliances. Um, can you talk a little bit more about the strategy and and the way that you're activating all of these folks? Yeah. Um, so that was something that was very important to me coming into Kohler. Um, I noticed that there was a lack in authentic relationships on socials. So that was actually one of the platforms that I started on. And we initially started with designers um, because we want to create eventually kind of a designer panel in which um, we're supporting designers, we're supporting their work, and they want to use our products more in their designs. So I started with a Twitter following strategy of making sure that I was following mainly designers on Twitter. And that was very successful, but in the course of that, I noticed we had a lot of plumbers and trades people sharing our content on Facebook and also intermixing with some of the tweets we were sending out. So I was like, okay, we definitely need to reach out to these guys as well because they're selling our products. Because we actually sell very few of our products. We have mainly distributors. So yep. we started um, tweaking our content a bit. So we were reaching out to trade, and so they could actually look at a Facebook post and share it on their own Facebook page, and that would make sense to their audience as well. And we've gotten a lot of great feedback from trade about that. But then we also started asking designers to share some of their work and their photos. Um, so we're kind of we have two different uh, channels going, but uh, it's been working fairly well for us. And to follow up on that a little bit more, you know, how have you been able to actually implement that? So aside from making sure that you follow them, um, what types of, of ideas are kind of, how are you communicating yeah. that to the folks internally at Kohler? Um, we have a lot of meetings internally <laughs> where this has come up, and it actually was quite a fight um, getting the okay to reach out to trade more because the focus has been so much on designers and consumers. And in the internal meetings, I used my research background and pulled a lot of stats we were getting on Twitter especially of these plumbers and trade interacting with us and showed that those conversations were really crucial to our social ecosystem and we needed to support them and get more content out there that was relevant to the trade. And eventually, uh, they do that now. That's great, and I'm sure that that's probably an interesting conversation to have with your folks because that does bring up a question of um, do we want to take away from driving people to our site maybe to buy these things, but when you think about it, I'm sure that it's probably pretty interesting considering you have a lot of people who go into like the Home Depots and the Lowe's of the world, and there's that element as well in wanting to be able to hook up with what they're doing. Yeah, and just to note, uh, that gets a little tricky just because on the flip side, we don't want distributors to think that we're favoriting Home Depot or we're favoriting Tradewinds or whoever. So we also can't call out uh, specific distributors. So I also initiated a rule when I started here that we can share content from whoever, but we do not create original content for a distributor. Oh, that's very interesting. So kind of following up from that, I'd love to talk a little bit more about 
proactive versus reactive customer care and social. And now I think that you guys do a great job at Kohler of just responding and replying to so many different people. Um, and you guys create a lot of discussion. Um, so can you talk a little bit more basically about how you're looking at both sides of the, of the customer care piece? Yeah, that's definitely something we're working on. <laughs> because it has become very stressful to answer all of those things because I am the only community manager on all of the networks. Um, but right now we have four people in customer service that are dedicated to social, but they only get a certain amount of time per day that they can spend answering social questions. So I email them with anything that comes through Twitter and Facebook, and they email me their responses back. And so we kind of have this back and forth thing going on. Um, but it's really important to me to make sure that every question is answered. Um, and even if it's like 12 o'clock on a Saturday, it's really important to me. So we've kind of gotten the customer service people on more on the weekends and making sure that we have concrete answers for people because, you know, they're coming to social, they're taking the time to find us, and it's important that we come back with a very intimate response for them and not just some, like, email us here and that's it. Hey, Margie, this is Jeff. Um, I'm interested in uh, your visual social media efforts. Um, how has uh, Pinterest resonated uh, for you with consumers, and, and, and also how does that play uh, with regard to distributors and others? Pinterest is a very important platform for us. Um, it's something that, unfortunately, we are just getting to and just starting to put more time into. Um, it's more so resonating with consumers right now than trade. We're finding that more of our trade and plumbers are on Facebook and Twitter, and then more of the designers we're finding on our Pinterest. So therefore, we're creating more of a design-based visual strategy um, with very clean photos, um, photos for people to fantasize that they'd want that in their house, and that type of thing more than the here's our touchless toilet, here's how you install it. We'll save that more for Twitter and Facebook. And another important network for us visually is House. I don't know if you're familiar with it, um, but it's sure. a network where designers and, and um, trade can go on to and, and actually tag us in their photos. Um, so we find that to be immensely valuable, especially when we're trying to tie social to sales. We find that's the network to do that with. And you said you don't play favorites there, but are there are there situations where just because of the ambitious nature of what a designer or a distributor is trying to do, um, it gives you opportunities to work collaboratively with them and do something that you know kind of has a big splash in a particular market or consumer segment? Of course, um, we're just getting into, as I mentioned before, creating more of a designer panel type situation or designer group. We're not exactly sure what that looks like yet, but we want it to definitely include collaborating with designers. Um, we've done a lot of work with celebrities and celebrity designers where we've collaborated, and they'll share their pieces in House Beautiful um, and other magazines, and we share that content out. But with this new group that we're trying to create, it'll be the first time that we're actually having um, those one-to-one -one relationships with designers on social media. Great. And I, I'm intrigued to, to know if you're um, 
if you're doing any sort of initiatives, advertising, campaign-based or, or otherwise, um, specifically targeted towards growing your audience. You said you were uh, rather uh, new to Pinterest. Um, you know, Twitter's important with the distributor. Um, is there a conscious effort to try and uh, increase uh, the the follower count um, within those channels? And if so, have you had any particular uh, types of activities that have been uh, the most effective in time in terms of trying to grow uh, those audiences for you? I'm a fan of doing things organically and not so much with advertising. So when I started at Kohler, uh, a lot of the budget was put into fan acquisition, as I mentioned. And I consciously made an effort to have that stop and see what we could do with organic growth. So on Twitter, that's worked well for us. We've we gained about 30,000 followers organically within four months. Um, on Pinterest, we haven't started yet, but we do have an organic growth strategy that we'll be starting soon. Um, and on Facebook, we're not so much concerned with growing that audience. We have a pretty big audience as it is there. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, so not so much with advertising. Um, we are dabbling a bit with advertising within house. Um, so we have a big advertising push there right now. Um, so we'll see if that has any impact on our audience. We'll know in about a month or so when that campaign ends. Um, but with all the other networks, we really prefer the organic approach. Now, are you on your television spend or on, on, the, on traditional media, are you collaborating at all with those teams on getting social calls to action, making sure that they've got, um, you know, the ways that uh, consumers can interact directly after seeing those ads, uh, you know, cooked into them? That's a great question. Um, something about Kohler is we're a very traditional company. Um, so getting social media started here in general was, was quite a challenge, and we're happy to have it now. But as far as getting social media into that traditional channel, it's been a little more difficult. I do work very closely with that team, but we have yet to really decide if we want to put hashtags in our commercials or have a social call to action in those commercials. That's still up for debate. Um, as of now, we're not doing that. I do monitor social very closely. I have a schedule of when our commercials play. And I monitor social when those commercials are going out and see if there's any conversation around them. And I was surprised to find that there actually is a lot of conversation organically happening around our commercials. I guess it's nice to have that kind of synergy, right? As opposed to the opposite. That's good. That's good news. It is. <laughs> uh, when you came in uh, into this role, did you go through an audit of, of tools and software and say, hey, here's what we should be using, and, or maybe they weren't using anything at all before? How, how did that process unfold? Yes. Um, so I am quite a fan of Sprout Social. I'm on it all the time, and that was a tool they weren't using when I came in. And so I immediately was like, I cannot take this job unless I can use this. <laughs> and so um, we immediately jumped on board with that. And then I looked at the other tools they were using, and um, we were definitely having issues with a lot of them breaking links, not sending out the right photos. Um, so I've made strong cases for why we don't need to be using those tools anymore. And we're actually ending those contracts soon and picking up a whole new set of tools. So I'm really excited for that because um, we've been really missing that research part a bit uh, with the tools we have right now, and, and I'm excited to have that very soon. 
Yeah, I know that can take up a lot of time just doing tools, demos and thinking through use cases, especially on uh, a, a small <laughs> team where you're kind of doing most of those things yourself. That that can be a real uh, a real time suck. We have to do a lot of that for for our clients uh, as well. And, and just keeping on top of, you know, all the different changes in the in the industry. Uh, luckily, I got Nick here oh, to yeah. tell me what XBion is doing, but uh, it can be and, and Jeff can tell me what uh, exact target marketing cloud is doing, but it can be a little uh, a little tricky. It is, especially since I do have that background. I notice if they kind of make up a statistic if they're going along the presentation. And <laughs> Nobody does that. And I have all these questions, and then they don't like me all of a sudden. So yeah, <laughs> it's taken a while. <laughs> yeah, that's that's hilarious. Yeah, well, no, I think that we talk about multiple times, and and Jeff, I'm sure that you can probably attest to this as well. I mean, there's a huge um, difference between a company that is sales driven and a company that's kind of like partnership or success driven. Um, you know, you have the this tool vendors who just want to drop numbers and, and go through quick PowerPoints to try and get you in to, to close a deal. And then there's the types of folks who actually like want to work with you and take the time to do something. Like you said, Sprout Social, I, I know the Sprout Social folks, and I know, Jay, that they sponsor your Jay Today podcast as well. Great they do. folks over there. And, yeah, those, like, you know, Xbeon, I don't know, Exact Target is, is very similar in the same way as that you're working with these folks who want to build partnerships with people, and they want to actually help the clients that they serve. And I know I talked about that a ton on the episode where I was the um, host or the guest of the Social Pros about a month or two ago, but that, that's the most enjoyable part of my job is actually, like, getting to work with folks like you, Margie, and, and figure out how we can work, solve problems together and it's cool for me. It's like playing with, it's like playing with house money because I get to go into these organizations and work on all their problems without actually having to take the job or the guilt if it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so hey, really quick, I would love to talk a little bit more, Margie, about you personally for a second. Uh -oh. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's okay. So we've actually we've we talked about this a few times before, but you have. A, a ton of followers on Twitter. So you have over 100,000 or something like that. And you oftentimes have, have caught some flack sometimes for people who think maybe some of them are fake, but you actually have a, a really huge, um, huge personal community that's highly engaged with everything that you're, you're sharing. And so not only are you talking with Kohler, but you're talking with this large group of, of independent marketers all day, every day. Can you talk a little bit more about how you grew your personal brand to, to such a huge number? Of course. Um, I'm glad you brought up the, the accusations that they're fake followers because I just got another one today that accused me of having fake responses now. And I was like, really? Come on. Um, yeah, so it was important for me when I started in social media um, to really get to know the networks um, because, to be completely honest, when I started my first social media job, I knew nothing about social media except my Facebook page, and I told them I knew a lot more than I did, and I would grow their fan base, and yay, yay, yay. And so um, when I got the job, I ended up having to teach myself a lot of stuff quickly, and I did that by um, really immersing myself in the networks, and Twitter was the one that kind of resonated most with me because I was finding out about so much about social media just by looking at my Twitter feed and that's kind of where I would go for that information. And so as I started learning more about social media and learning what worked and what didn't, then I kind of felt the need to share that information with my followers. And so um, now I have a great following base and, and it is a great community and I love having it just because if, you know, if I have something that I have a question about at Kohler and we're thinking about doing it, 
I kind of have my own little focus group that I can go into and ask them, hey, what do you think about this? And then, and I've actually done that a lot with the stuff we have, and I've actually presented the responses to my tweets and meetings as why we should or shouldn't do something. So the community is pretty important to me, and um, the growth has come mainly from just making sure that I follow people that are relevant to me, relevant to what I do, that I think would be interested in the content I'm putting out there, and uh, having them follow me back. I really like uh, I really like your blog as well. I just want to throw that out there for the record. Um, the Sherman Social blog. I think it's really really good, and people should read it more. Uh, I'm going to start reading it. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. That means a lot coming from you. <laughs> yeah, you post a lot. Like, how do you, what's your process in posting? I mean, and do you wake up in the morning? You know, what's kind of your writing process? Because you're always throwing out really cool anecdotes on the blog. Oh, thanks. Um, so my process when I started the blog um, was that I was writing for myself, which sounds really selfish, um, but I was writing because I just felt the need at that point in time to write about something that was on my mind, um, and that's how the blog kind of started. And so that's my rule now. If, if I don't feel like I, you know, if I don't have anything to say, then I don't force myself to write a blog post. Um, but if something happens, like a lot of my inspiration comes from conversations I have on Twitter and it sparks a memory of something that happened that I can relate to social media, then I'll immediately start writing that blog post and get it up there. Um, I have another really strange quirk with my blog and it's that I do not edit, um, <laughs> which is like a huge no-no, but I do it just because one of the main stances behind my blog is that it's authentic and it's it's a social media pro going out there and, and saying what it is and how it is, and I don't want to feel like it's been through a million edited processes. I want to feel like it's very real, and that's what I was thinking at that point in time. That's an interesting way to think about it, for sure. All right, I'm going to uh, talk about a couple of our sponsors briefly, and then Margie Sherman from Kohler, we're going to have you answer the two big questions that we ask every guest here on the show. So we'll give you a moment to compose yourself before having to answer those questions. And first, I'm going to remind, going to remind the people at home that this podcast is brought to you by the good people at Xbeon, a fantastic social media marketing platform, especially for complex brands that have lots of challenges in social, lots of users, lots of locations. If you're a franchise organization, if you're a global organization, if you're in higher ed, uh, Xbeon is a fantastic choice for your social media needs. I love the way they're handling analytics. Uh, it's really revolutionary where you can automatically create different reports using different metrics depending on where you're at in the organization. So if you're a tactician, you need to know one set of numbers. If you're in the C-suite, you need to know a different set of numbers. Xbeon has those different lenses of analytics built right into the product, which is really, really smart. If you haven't seen Xbeon recently, you owe it to yourself to kick the tires on that. Go to xbeon.com, E-X-P-I-O-N.com. Uh, sign up for a demo, ask to talk to Nick or somebody like that. Uh, probably Nick would be a good bet, and he will show you around. You'll love it. This podcast, Social Pros, is also brought to you for a long time now by our good friends at Exact Target, a world leader in interactive marketing software. Exact Target has a terrific uh, free ebook that I told you about last week. Uh, this will be the last week that it's available. Uh, it's called Four Basic Steps to Add Social Media to Successful Campaigns. As I mentioned last time, I love this one because uh, it it really 
talks through how to take an existing campaign, uh, sort of like what what Margie was talking about with their television program. How do you take an existing campaign and add a social media layer of frosting to it, which is really a smart way to go about social as opposed to trying to create these freestanding uh, whirlwind, holy social type moments. The first thing you got to do is take what you're already doing and make it more social. This free ebook from Exact Target walks you through that process. You should download it right now. It's called The Four Basic Steps to Add Social Media to Successful Campaigns. You can get that at bit.ly slash add social media. That's bit.ly slash add social media, A-D-D, social media, all lower case. Okay, Margie, are you ready? The first question, the first question for you. Margie Sherman, social media strategist for Kohler. What one tip would you give people looking to become a social pro? Immerse yourself in social media 24-7 and make sure that you're absolutely passionate about it because if you are a social media pro, you will have to be on it all the time and there's no stop button. And make sure that you know every network inside out is a user so then you know what users are looking for on those platforms. Yeah, it's a good tip. Uh, I, I really think that makes a lot of sense to sort of roll around in it and and uh, and live it and breathe it and eat it and sleep it. Um, I think that's great. You know, the challenge is that sometimes that becomes that becomes your life. We actually have a, a post on Convince to Convert today that Jacob Morgan, uh, who's a terrific strategist and author, uh, wrote as a guest post, and it's all about whether or not social media professionals like you can actually balance uh, a personal life with a work life or, or does social or, or does being a social media manager require so much constant sort of vigilance and immersion that you almost by definition have to give back some of your personal life to do it well. I think it's a really important topic uh, that doesn't get talked about enough yeah. in social media because there's, you know, I've said this before in interviews, I don't know a single person who's quote unquote good or successful at social media that doesn't work their ass off. I don't know one person um, who, who is not busting it all the time. Uh, and that's, you know, that's, that's a challenge, right? I mean, that's, uh, you got to know what you're getting into uh, in that regard. Yep. All right. Second and final question from Margie Sherman. If you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be and why? This actually ties into the last question. Um, I would do one with Deepak Chopra because <laughs> yoga and his daily guided meditations are what get me through my job <laughs> and calm me down so I can deal with all of the stress and be on social media as much as I am. Are you are you like rocking the yoga at the office? Are you like going out into the toilet enameling shed and rolling out the mat and the <laughs> Lululemon pants and like hooking it up? Is that your deal? No, but that's a great idea. No, I do have a yoga room in my house, though. And wow. I shut myself in it, like, right when I get home at night. That's how you know that real estate in Wisconsin is cheaper than real estate in Miami when you have a yoga room. I'm yeah, just, uh, right? Yes, I can't as, believe what I have here. It's crazy. Yeah, welcome, welcome to the Midwest. You have everything but warmth uh, and, and a beach. Well, a different kind of beach, certainly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a good one. I don't know if we've ever had Chopra as the as the shout out uh, uh, for Skype call. Maybe uh, you know I it, we've got a, a a document that has them all listed, uh, and I always forget to check uh, what it is. We've had Oprah, Bill Gates last week, Deepak Chopra. Okay, we'll make sure to link it up uh, so that people who are not familiar are like, you know what, I should get into that whole toilet yoga thing. Um, they'll be able to do that. Yeah, that'll be fantastic. I'm gonna convince someone here of that. 
I'll get there. That would be, I know you're not doing a lot on Instagram right now with Kohler, but that would be an exceptional Instagram program, uh, bathroom yoga, uh, on Instagram. I think that that writes itself. That's, that's free consulting. Free consulting from Convince and Convert. Yeah, no worries. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Awesome. Thank you, Marjorie. Feel free to hang out if you like for the next two segments. Uh, we appreciated having you on the show. You were fantastic, uh, as expected. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to remind you that this podcast is also brought to you uh, by Formstack. Uh, I use Formstack all the time on my sites. Uh, it is an online form building tool. Uh, great guys based in Indianapolis, growing like a weed. And what's cool about it is it allows you to create forms, different versions of forms, test forms, manage your leads, manage data uh, without being a tech guy or a developer. So I can go in there and say, hey, what if we ask this question this way or this way and, and, you know, actually generate more in our case, um, email subscriptions to our newsletter, et cetera. So really, really handy software and inexpensive. Um, they also do a lot of great market research. So because Formstack has so many customers, they looked at 400,000 users, uh, and what makes them, uh, uh, fill out forms. And so this free ebook that they have available for you called their form conversion report uh, allows you to figure out what elements of form design increase conversion rates all the way up to a 250% increase in conversion, which is pretty remarkable. So you can get that uh, for free right now from Formstack. It is at bit.ly slash form conversion, bit.ly slash form conversion, all lowercase. Uh, And lastly, Social Pros is brought to you by uh, Cision. Cision is a leading provider of software uh, for the public relations industry. Great for finding uh, influencers, uh, looking up bloggers, also content amplification. Some of you may know that Cision and Vocus are getting ready to join forces and and, uh, do a merger uh, in in advance of that move, they are joining forces to put together a fantastic event, which uh, will actually be next week. It's called Measurement Week, and it's a free, totally free, if you can believe this, totally free five-day event in New York. Uh, every day they have new speakers talking about uh, the principles of social media and public relations measurement. Uh, Great speakers like Mark Schaefer, um, who will be on the show, uh, I think, next week. Uh, Peter Shankman, a great guy. Chris Penn, who's one of the smartest people I've ever met and just a, a great, great guy. Uh, at Shift and Heidi Sullivan, who is our client contact uh, at Cision and helps us a lot behind the scenes here on Social Pros. So a really fantastic speaker lineup. So check out that event. If you're in New York or you want to just fly in for some of those um, speakers, you should think about doing that. Nick, you've got to go. You'll be right there. That's right up your alley. Uh, and the address for the site uh, to I will be there. Yeah, good for you. I'm going to have a couple of people from my team there too. So uh, to RSVP, get your seat for Measurement Week. Uh, go to bit.ly slash measure week. Bit.ly slash measure week, all lowercase. Uh, see you there. It's going to be fantastic. Great job by Cision. And thank you for sponsoring Social Pros. Okay, Nick, it is time for Holy Social. Sorry, guys, was muted there for a second. Um, this week's Holy Social, I'm going to talk a little bit about Twitter cards. Um, so, Jeff and Jay, I sent you guys over um, the Acura tweet, but Acura is rolling out an entirely new campaign uh, across a number of different channels 
both digital, broadcast, um, even some print as well. And basically they're getting ready to launch this whole personalization campaign where they're inviting people to actually personalize their Acuras um, and a number of different levels. And, and they have a great cover, or sorry, a great commercial that's going out that is all about my way, which Jeff, you mentioned, is by Sid Vicious. Um, and this whole idea of being and making and personalizing your own car is something that the Acura is taking, um, taking a, a spin on in their own way. So the interesting thing about that, and, and while they're extending this campaign to all these different channels, which is definitely great for a comprehensive campaign, they're doing something really, really interesting with Twitter cards. Um, so they actually have, they've worked with another agency to put together this um, concept. So when Acura is tweeting, you can actually go inside of the actual card on Twitter and customize multiple different options of an Acura and then tweet and share out that image and share out a link to that actual car on the Acura site itself. So I think that there's three different options. I think you can cha choose like the uh, the cylinder, whether it's like a, a four or a six or something like that. You can choose the, the drivetrain and the chassis on there. I'm not a huge car guy, so, so don't shoot me. My dad's going to be disappointed. Um, and you can then change the color, and you can pick a different color, and they have like five or six different color combinations. So you can go through, and you can pick all those, and then when you're finished, you can tweet that out, and it drives you to your actual customized car on the Acura website. And it's really interesting because there have been a lot more unique partnerships with Twitter cards coming out lately. Puma just recently did a lot with a, a tweet to unlock, and they worked with Weigh-In, and I know or, or they worked with somebody else. And I know Nike Basketball did another one that was about voting within a Twitter card that they worked on with Weigh-In. And so we're starting to see a lot more interesting uses around Twitter cards, which I know that you know has been kind of waiting in the wings since Twitter introduced this whole new um, idea about how they're going to actually create interactive experiences. But I thought that it was great. And so the actual the Twitter card itself was done by the folks at Mullen. And, uh, and so that's a great, you know, great agency and, and multiple offices around the country now. Um, so shout out to those guys over there. But I thought it was really cool because, you know, they're taking that space that they have on Twitter and they're figuring out different ways to make it really interactive and engaging. Um, I know that I got a lot of attention when I started tweeting about it when they released it. And I know as the campaign starts to roll out all the different executions on the different channels that they're advertising on, um, it should be interesting to see how they come together and, and really help Acura move forward. Um, I know that Honda is doing a big push across all of the different brands in the Honda company, uh, especially coming up to the, the new year, kind of get ready for the new set of cars that are coming in. So it should be interesting to see. Well, I'm really bullish on on Twitter ads. Jeff, have you guys played with any? Yeah, I mean, I know Jeff and the exact target guys have actually done some testing on, on Twitter lead gen cards, and we have as well at Convince and Convert, both for us and for clients. I'm really bullish on on Twitter ads into the future um, and, and what they allow you to do uh, in stream on a mobile device, things like that, and, and sort of closing that that loop with a very easy one-click direct response, I think is really, really smart. Um, you know, we... We're testing a lot of different things for clients. I haven't done you know what we're talking about here with Acura, which was being able to to customize it on the fly like that, which is really fascinating. Uh, but but if you said to me, hey, six months from now, are you going to be more interested in Facebook ads or Twitter ads? I would say Twitter ads um, personally, uh, just because of the targeting capabilities and and the number of different things you can do with the creative unit. But maybe that's just me. Yeah, no, I mean, I, the thing to think about is that while they are running this as an ad, and I'm sure that they have a pretty solid uh, spend behind that, 
that, you know, people are doing a lot of really great stuff with Twitter cards without even having to buy ads. I don't know if you guys saw um, John Patterson from one of the folks over at Ignite Social. He wrote a really cool post the other day, basically just a step-by-step of how to go in and create a Twitter card, depending on that. But now you can just publish them. And, you, yeah. you know, you can use the website cards. You can use the lead generation cards. Or you can even build these custom cards, like I said, like Nike and Puma and, and now Acura is doing. Um, and you can use uh, and in, incorporate those in your native Twitter posting and your organic Twitter posting as well. Obviously, the spend is going to help give you that distribution. But there are a lot of folks that are just using these Twitter cards to really break up um, these feeds. You know, we have those uh, that idea of banner blindness or even like home feed blindness. And these are really interesting roadblocks that really come through and stop you in your tracks if you're scrolling through a Twitter feed and you see somebody who has a big voting button or a visit here or download this um, right in the middle of all these, you know, one-line Twitter updates. Yeah, no doubt. I, I actually use uh, uh, one of the reasons I, I use Buffer uh, is that you can one-click add graphics to your tweet. Um, and so you can just, you know, uh, click on any sort of graphic, uh, infographic, featured image, and then it automatically streams into the tweet, which is really, really useful and a, and a big time saver. Jeffrey, are you ready for the social media number of the week? Born ready, Jay. Am I waiting for a commercial sponsorship or am I jumping right in? I believe we have concluded the commercial sponsorships. Oh, I can jump right in. We could just make one up. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by the legendary hard rock band Def Leppard. Uh, we really recommend their music. They're fantastic. The best one arm drummer band really in the history of music. Uh, I did a very lot pro of, sugar, very pro sugar. I did a lot of eighth grade dancing uh, to that band. So actually Def Leppard is probably uh, at at fault for the increase in diabetes within Gen X. <laughs> the the they official sugar on everybody. They are the official band of Social Pros. Excellent. Always pouring sugar. <laughs> All right, so number, 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 number. Number is 412,000 in honor of Kohler because 420 or 412,000 is the seasonally adjusted home sale rate for uh, July of 2014. And um, that is actually slightly down from June, which was, uh, I believe, 422. And if you track such things, these are you know economic indicators that are released every month. Four hundred and twelve thousand is actually still way way down from the height of the housing sale market. We're at its height uh, back in oh July two thousand five. There were one point three eight million homes sold in the U.S. So we're looking at a run rate that is a third still of what the home sale uh, market was. Uh, back before the recession, and I raise this today, guys, because you know when you're you're talking marketing, you know we send we tend to you know fixate on our ability to move the needle, but often there are forces far beyond our control, greater socioeconomic forces, and certainly the home sale uh, market is one of those because you know Kohler is very dependent on that in terms of folks wanting to renovate or build new homes. But that has a ripple effect out into the marketplace even further. And so it'll be interesting um, to continue to watch home sales because that creates opportunity in related markets and far, far, far beyond. Um, Now, the reason I raise this is last week we were talking about millennials in the number of the week. And uh, one of the things that's happened in the millennial generation is a delayed purchasing of 
homes. In fact, in the New York Times article I cited last week, they were talking with a 23-year-old who was, you know, saving money by still living at home, which is kind of the trite, you know, kind of story out there. But there's a reality to that, that uh, the economic buying power of millennials uh, is challenged by both the, you know, the job market and the home market. And, um, you know, I'm intrigued, Jay, to get your thoughts on, you know, how you see this play out in, in your uh, in your particular client base, uh, when you see economic recovery in certain areas, do you see it ripple elsewhere? I think generally speaking, rising tide lifts all boats, but there are certainly industries that that have their own sub economy. In fact, we we work for a home builder client, and so very familiar with that particular uh, set of circumstances. And and you know things are by no means back to to where they were. And frankly, we may never get back to to that crazy crazy. Uh, period. I mean, I lived in Arizona at that time, and so I, I lived firsthand uh, with with people literally. And I'm not I'm not telling a story here. This is truth. People camping out to be first in line to buy houses. Um, you know, li- like it was Duke season tickets or something. Uh, it was it was a crazy time. I don't know if we'll ever get back there. I think people have have realized that maybe homes are not the most stable uh investment and and so i don't know that we'll ever get back to those days but certainly um that that economy is way back uh on on the upswing and it certainly makes it easier to do social media strategy for home builders when people are actually buying homes because you could be the best social media strategist in the world but if nobody can get a loan or buy a house um that skill set is muted somewhat but you're exactly right about about millennials and, and their different attitudes towards major purchases and it extends beyond homes to to cars as well uh, my daughter uh, turns 16 next week, uh, sweet 16, and she and her friends in that cohort really have a uh, paltry interest in even getting a driver's license. Wow. Uh, it's like, well. In yeah. Indiana? Yeah. It's sort of like, well, yeah, I mean, it'd be cool, I guess, to have a license. Yeah, but seriously. Uh, but, but here's the thing. Uh, when, you, when you unpack that a little bit, unlike certainly Jeff, you and I, uh, you know, Nick being a millennial and Margie being a millennial, maybe a little different story, but, but when you and I, Mm -hmm. uh, were in high school, Jeff, we, you know, we had to go see people in order to interact with them. I mean, I was constantly, yeah, I mean, I was constantly, (laughs) you know, my parents were constantly driving me around town, uh, to see my friends and play basketball and play golf and just hang out and, you know, do whatever. And now, uh, my daughter and her friends are so connected uh, on text messages, on Snapchat, and on FaceTime, that that they don't really feel the need to have a license to be able to go see their friends because they interact with the way they interact with their friends with a velocity and intensity and a frequency that is unfathomable to me. I, I would not want to talk to my wife as much as my daughter talks to her friends, and I actually mean that. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, they literally talk to each other, you know, and by talking, I mean, exchanging messages in an asynchronous way, um, you know, 20, 30, 40 times a day. Uh, it's so why would you need a car to go see them? You're, you know, you know exactly what they're doing at all times. It's a really strange phenomenon to me. Uh, and you see uh, car dealers, you know, being really aggressive with their millennial uh, marketing because you've got to break through that inertia. I think it's fascinating. Yeah, I'm that that that's a yeah, guys. for me. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, you know, like you mentioned before, I, I've grown up in the, the construction business. So that's that's really all that I, I've ever known. And the, the first gig that I ever had um, coming out of college was working with uh, a home builder in Florida. 
and we did Extreme Makeover Home Edition was kind of like our entry point into trying to reinvigorate people. And, and I know Extreme Makeover has done that, uh, um, you know, hundreds of times over now. And, and Margie, if you're still on, maybe you guys at Kohler have probably done something with Extreme Makeover at some point. Um, but yeah, it's interesting, and I think that home builders in general are trying to find different ways in and around it. Me personally, I think that the home buying experience is, is still interesting. It's not something, something that I'm interested, but I am interested in owning land at some some day, um, some way, some shape. Uh, but you know, the company that I'd worked with, they were focusing a lot more on innovation around their home building. So they were trying to be, you know, the first to do net zero homes, the first to do um, enhanced solar panels, or to do, you know, wind turbine, personal wind turbines in the back of your own lawn or in the back of your yard. So they were focusing on all these other things outside of the home, uh, the traditional here's your home, here are your rooms, here is your land, uh, and really catering to buyers in a lot of different ways. So we worked on a lot of creative that had to do with the, the evolution of solar technology and, and you know where it was as opposed to it was before when uh -huh. you just had this idea of a of a naive kind of solar panel. Yeah, I think I think that's probably one angle that the home builders and in, in that industry in general are going to have to take. Another one, I don't know if you guys have seen this hit your radar, but my wife and I have been pretty fascinated with it. Is the tiny home movement? You know, very, oh, yeah, very small, under five hundred, you know, square feet homes, and and there's actually a, a show now on one of the kind of the fragmented cable networks called Tiny Home Nation. And I think that's a trend to continue to watch because um, some of these homes are, are so tiny you can build them on the on the back of a flatbed and, and people are, you know, literally traveling the world uh, or, or you know, the U.S., uh, you know, uh, if their lifestyle and their jobs afford them that opportunity. Um, so um, certainly a, a trend to watch. And, again, just as a, a reminder to all of us as marketing professionals of the forces that are, beyond our control and bear watching. Some of us call it a tiny home. Margie Sherman calls it a yoga room. But it's potato, <laughs> it's, it's potato potato, really. Um, all good uh, in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, all good in Wisconsin. Uh, Anne Handley has a tiny house. She hasn't, she hasn't Are there, do you have like symbols everywhere? That's what I imagine this yoga room being like completely covered in vines and symbols oh, okay. and smoke rolling through and just very tranquil. It's all patchouli. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's candles. There's there's a poster that says. Um, is it a Def Leppard poster? Even if you do nothing. <laughs> is it that cat that says "Hang in there"? Is that, is that poster still out there? No, no. That would be awesome. coming back. I mean, you know, every once it'll come back. If you leave us a five star review on iTunes and email me the screenshot, we will send you a "Just Hang in There" cat poster. We will make that happen. We will figure personalized, out personalized then, with then, your Twitter handle. And if you do that, you actually will be entered to win uh, a tour of Margie Sherman's uh, Wisconsin yoga room. Uh, courtesy of Kohler, so that's uh, that's our offer on this week's social pros. Hey, Margie, take us a picture. In the middle of nowhere. Take a picture of the yoga room so we can put it in the show notes uh, for the podcast. That'll be uh, that'll be fantastic, so people can visualize okay. how All this right. is working out. That would be great. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this uh, for this episode. Margie Sherman from Kohler, thanks very much for being uh, part of Social Pros. You were terrific. It was great to have you. Yeah. Uh, Nick and Jeff, thanks as always. Uh, we're going to record two shows. 
next week at uh, Content Marketing World in Cleveland. Uh, I will be there speaking. Jeff will be there. Uh, Jeff, of course, lives in Cleveland, so that's a, a no-brainer for him. Uh, and we are going to have uh, Anne Handley will be on the Social Pros podcast. We just talked. She has a tiny house um, that she uses for an office, so we'll, we'll talk to her about that. She has a fantastic new book out called Everybody Writes, which is really, really good. Uh, and Anne, I think, will be the first person to ever be on this podcast twice uh, as a guest, so that's kind of exciting. So we'll talk to Anne, and then we're also going to record a show with Mark Schaefer uh, while we were there as well. Great guy who somehow has never been on the show. Uh, a good friend, a fantastic author and uh, social media and content marketing thinker. So back-to-back face-to-face shows from Content Marketing World. So looking forward to that. Uh, Until then, I am Jay Baer from Convince and Convert. He is uh, Jeff Roars and Nick Cicero, Margie Sherman from Kohler. Thanks very much. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Social Pros, the show for real people doing real work in social media. Please tell your friends about the show. Subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher and view all episodes at socialpros.com. Until next week, thanks to Cision, Janray, XPN, and ExactTarget, a Salesforce.com company.